is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 64, operating on February 15th, 2021. This is Doug and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Drew. We're two AvGeeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Drew, you had a birthday this week and I think you received a nice surprise last week, didn't you? Yes, I did. People who listen to these shows and see our tweets, you'll probably know that I'm, I don't prefer special liveries i just like the regular livery that an airline has you don't prefer is that the prefer is is that the political way of saying it (laughs) yes (laughs) severely you have a severe dislike for special liveries disclaimer i love the southwest um state pride airplanes with with the the flag flag, texas yeah Yeah, i love those and i love the ones that are appreciating employees like the delta thank you a320 love those but these liveries that are advertising frozen or <laughs> <laughs> hello kitty or I, I sent you guys something with mcdonald's yeah someone's advertising mcdonald's on an md80 <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't like them but so what happens is this was my birthday week so these clowns including doug the other circle of friends is tyler greg and nate of course they buy me a present and it's a hello kitty <laughs> 330 <laughs> And I think the gift was actually for you guys watching me open it and watching my reaction because, Doug, you did a Zoom call with it. Yeah, well, you, you didn't explain it. So you also have a severe dislike for one to 200 scale plastic models. So not only was it a Hello Kitty special livery, but it was also a one to 200 plastic. So it was it was perfect. Yeah. And then we and then I had them join before we recorded with Jen last week. They bombed our, our Zoom call when you hopped on and we got to watch you open it. And then, so I have to say, Drew said something funny. He's like, guys, I really hate the BA Landor L1011 livery. I hate it. It's my least favorite. Oh, with a passion. Yeah, with the passion, thinking that (laughs) that we're going to get that for him next year. Nice try. Yeah, so the whole year, ramping up to my birthday, I will tell you about how much I hate it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you guys, and I, I, Tyler and Greg, Nate, they all listen to this. So no, thank you, you guys. That was really touching. And I told you guys, that's my favorite airplane in my, what is it? My um, bookshelf fleet right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you guys got me a one 200 scale. And to be honest, it's sitting next to my diecast metal one 200 scale Elta 11 DC 10 a 340. You can't tell it's plastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the new the new plastic ones are the Sky Marks. They're really well made. So because it was your birthday, you were also on the road this week, right? And you had some pretty great flights. So let's <laughs> let's hear about it. Well, no, we'll get to that in a second. So as we speak, Doug is covered in dust. It his it is his time off in quotes. Now this guy has no lack of energy. So he works a whole week, takes care of two kids along with Marissa, and then he finds time to redo the flooring on a house. So I have houses. I would never do this myself. What are you doing exactly? So we are, we're putting in all new floors throughout the entire house. And when they quoted us the cost for it, it seemed exorbitant for what they were going to charge to take the tile out. So I talked to my dad and we actually flew my parents out here this weekend. We paid for their ticket. My dad and I are chipping up tile all weekend to save us a couple grand with the, with the install. So yeah, we're 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 at we're at halftime in the kitchen right now. This is our this is our lunch break for doing the kitchen. We're gonna finish recording and then 
hop right back in, <laughs> finish up the kitchen, and then throughout the weekend, just keep chipping away at the tile. And I believe you said it was about $3,000 in savings. So pretty, for those, pretty close, yeah. Pretty close, right? And for those of you AvGeeks that are listening, whenever we're saving money, we always think, all right, how much travel could I get for that $3,000? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'll do the flooring myself because $3,000 for us is cheap as we are. That could be a whole two years of non-revving and traveling and hotels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. a great transition. Speaking of non-revving and staying in hotels, tell yeah. us about this week. Yeah, I had an awesome birthday week, you guys. So last year, so th this is a change um, pre-COVID. I was on a 787 delivery flight on my birthday. Mm -hmm. So this year it's like, I got to fly someplace for my birthday. So um, I was on the launch of the 737, the relaunch of the United 737 Max. But real quick, before that, I went to SFO. That was fun too. Took a wide body domestic 787 from Washington to San Francisco. And you know how, I, I think I told everyone it was kind of boring. And I mean mm -hmm. that in the best possible way, right? Because I'm probably going to get some hate mail from people that are listening. <laughs> but say so, 787 is boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was in business class on a 787-8, lightly booked. You guys, this plane doesn't launch off the runway. It It's more like it levitates. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's no struggle. There, there's very little sound. The plane lifts off the ground and there's really no, you don't hear that engine torque as you take off like on a 777. And then landing at SFO. It was just effortless. It was, there was no noise. It kind of settled onto the ground. Like it was, you know, there was no thump as it lands. Yeah. Well, you, you had a window seat. So how many times did you play with the self dimming and, and darkening? Zero. Oh yeah. Zero. Okay. <laughs> zero because we left in the, uh, at dusk. Oh, so sure. No so it didn't reason. matter. Yeah. No, it didn't matter. And the flight attendants didn't dim Auto. it, lighten it like yeah. sometimes they do. Yeah. I, I think I talked to you about the food. I'm still disappointed on the food on a transcon even in premium but i know delta america and united they're all working on it right yeah now. but but what what did you say though you, you said that even just getting a warm sandwich seemed to make the flight just a little bit better right so and that's that's what you texted me well that that was ex expected on a transcon yes i was yes. shocked <laughs> i was shocked when i got it when i was going to denver for that uh, max flight san francisco to denver they served a hot basil mozzarella sandwich on a regular plate mm -hmm. and i was on an old 737-800 and i'm like oh my god this is so boring then they bring out a tr this tray of like regular food you know that i remember from days past <laughs> yeah and i was like all right this is now a much better flight and how much did that cost the airline probably a couple bucks yeah exactly you know but it made your flight and and it, you yeah, talked it about it yeah all right now to the max um what was great about the max flight is that it was basically un uneventful and there was no fanfare because with these max launches, the airlines don't want fanfare. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not going to be a sheet cake and balloons because this is not, you know, this is an airplane coming it's back. It's not a celebration. Yeah. It's not a celebration. It's more of we're moving forward. You know, we're safe. Don't worry. It's just more of making people feel comfortable. Now, here's the funny part. <laughs> so Tyler, he tweets a uh, happy birthday with a bunch of Hello Kitty pictures. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, I know, you know, it's your birthday and I know you love these, uh, but I do feel sorry for the person who's sitting next to you on the Max flight right, <laughs> right now <laughs> because they're probably tired of hearing your AvGeek stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like Nate was. Like <laughs> Nate is, was. Who is an AvGeek? <laughs> right, I know. So I have to tone it down. So this girl, I'm assuming that all these people on this flight are AvGeeks, right? It's a launch for 737 Max. 
no, it's mostly civilians. So I start telling this person about it and she immediately starts to get freaked out. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> don't. It's all good now because there's so many safeguards. And that's why all these people, I'm trying to explain to her. Why, like why you are there for it. Why I'm there and why yeah. there's all these people with cameras and, you know, talking it up. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But then Tyler and our other friends add to the tweets and they're like, you know, little gifts like, pictures gifts of people saying oh please let this end you know (laughs) (laughs) greg puts in quotes like she's saying i'm just trying to get to houston (laughs) 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 no anyway so it was a fun trip um was that so i I forgot to ask you was that your first time on a max that was the first time on okay so you hadn't flown one before the grounding no so to me it was just like a 737 900 inside mm-hmm. now i was flying with tom Polini, who's in on the business insider yeah he is insistent that the overhead bins were bigger than a uh, 900. oh really okay mm-hmm. interesting yeah, so i have to verify that they look just like 787 bins yeah what, what about sound on the inside quieter oh dude Much it quieter. Was so quiet yeah smooth. and i was sitting right behind the wing yeah smooth very smooth yeah hmm yeah so no, it's good. And even Tom was saying it just felt normal. It just felt like back to normal days where, and it was, the flight was pretty full. Mm-hmm. No fanfare. Uh, they did thank everyone, but no one mentioned 737 Max. Mm-hmm. No one's like, oh, welcome aboard our 737 Max. Yeah. No. I, I noticed it was on the um, emergency card though, right? It, it did say 737 Max on it. Oh yeah. They're not trying to hide it. It's yeah. on the emergency card. It's on um, the app when you look up the airplane. It mm-hmm. says that you're on a max. And it even says on when you check in, there's a little disclaimer that says it's you are the, on a 737 max. Yeah, that's kind of warning you about it. That's good. I mean, the, the transparency, that's what the airlines need right now. Yeah. Not exactly. not trying to hide it. Yeah. Oh, one more thing I got to tell you, Doug. So I'm thinking, all right, this is a one-off. It's the first max flight is just me, you know, and these people get to Houston. There's 737 maxes all around. <laughs> yeah. The gates, right? Getting ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, I believe United has 14. I'll have to go back and check. And they're going to be based in Houston. Okay. It was almost like that terminal was half maxes. Half maxes. And they're all going out everywhere, you know, on that day. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I I do remember reading back in the fall when the airlines were positioning and saying, this is when we're going to relaunch the max. I remember Americans said they're going to do just that single Miami to New York flight with a single airplane. And United, they did say, we're going to launch... 26 or 28 routes on a single day they're yeah. like we're, we're just going to spread them to the wind we're going to get the pilots re-qualified ready to go get the airplanes ready to fly and then they're just going to be out in the system and and that's it it's like one day they're gone the next day they're back and and they're moving on they're yeah. moving on so doug when we started this podcast our big story all the time was what's going on with the man <laughs> i know <laughs> and, now, and now it's now it's back and it it's like i mean can we can we say like what Tom said that this is back to a semblance of normalcy? At yeah, least that's how he felt. Yeah. 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 And so with that, hopefully, you know, in a few months we'll be talking about, Hey, you know, when we started this podcast, it was when COVID started and now we're coming full circle because mm-hmm. we did, we just did with the 737 max. It's back. Yeah. I, I, I hate to, I hate to think about what we're going to be talking about a year, two years, from now (laughs) yeah we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there yeah i'm I'm sure that you know there's gonna be other bumps in the road that we don't even know about that'll happen and we'll cover it from beginning to to end just like these yeah well that's awesome i'm I'm glad you had a good time you sent some really good pictures and and guys if you haven't seen them go on our twitter page drew 
posted some videos of the de-icing and cloud surfing I, I saw. So that's, it's awesome. But we do have some work to do, most of which unfortunately is some heavy things. So let's make our way through the news brief so we can get back to our fun sandwich of topics. And listeners, you'll understand the pun when we get to that part of the show. You'll understand what I'm what we're talking about. <laughs> Drew, we have an update on the Indonesian crash. What do you have? Yes. So um, what we have now, Doug, is uh, Reuters is reporting. The title of the article is Crashed Sriwijaya Air Jet Had Engine Thrust Imbalance Preliminary Report. So the preliminary report backs up what we talked about a few episodes ago. As a recap, the Indonesian 737-500 crashed last month, killing all 62 people on board. The preliminary report says the plane had an imbalance and thrust that eventually led the, the plane into a sharp roll and a dive into the sea. After takeoff, the left engine throttle never moved back and the right stayed in its position. The report highlighted the importance of upset recovery training for pilots implying but stopping short of saying the root cause was a lack of reaction by the pilots. I got some questions for you, but what are your thoughts? This is exactly what we talked about, where the thrust imbalance creates an upset situation. But if the pilots were on top of it, they should have recognized right away. And it should have never even gotten to the point where it rolled and then it was an uncoverable situation. Drew, this goes back to what we talked about months ago. I believe it was IATA who kind of rang the alarm bell and said, pilots are going to be rusty getting back into these airplanes. What is it? 50 some percent of the, the global pilot force right now is, is not flying. And these pilots are, mm. are going to have to go back through training. The airplanes are going to have to get back in the sky. Not saying that something like this is going to happen again. Knock on wood. Hopefully it doesn't. But to me, this just shows the rustiness of those pilots and the, the lack of training. And I can tell you as a pilot flying and certified and trained in the United States, upset recovery. And so what we say upset recovery is when the airplane gets into an unusual attitude or some sort of a state of flight that we're not expecting, that has become the biggest emphasis item for the FAA for training is mm. how to recover from an upset recovery. To me, it just sounds like these pilots were were behind the airplane. The airplane yeah. did something that they weren't expecting. The automation clicked off and they didn't catch it. And it got to a point where they just could no longer recover. But Doug, so these are like split second decisions that they have to make. So this was a thrust imbalance. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the things that you're trained to monitor on takeoff? Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. Okay. But it, it sounds like it happened at about 10,000 feet. So they probably just let their guard down a little bit. Mm. And, and they were probably chatting about things that they shouldn't have been at that point for yeah. what we call a sterile cockpit, because it still is a critical phase of, of flight. Yeah, I can tell you, I one of the things I get on my students for all the time is not keeping their hand on the yoke and on the throttles, even when the autopilot is on during climb out during approaches. Because if something like this happened, that imbalance, and they just had their hand floating on the throttles, mm -hmm. they would feel one of the throttles come back. And in your mind, mm -hmm. you're like, wait a minute, why did one come right. back and the other didn't? Let me push it up. Let me identify the situation and, and figure it out. So this is something as simple as if they had had their hand resting on the throttle, right. they would have noticed that one came back and the other didn't. And then yeah. they would have looked at the instruments. That's crazy. Because so that thing, that throttle physically goes back. Mm -hmm. You just wonder how they couldn't could not notice that exactly yeah yeah i'm sure there's more that'll come out but 
So now what would you do to correct for that? You would just do right rudder or left yeah, rudder? You, you would, which, whichever, whichever engine is not producing as much thrust, you just mm -hmm. throw the rudder in to get the nose around. You might need mm -hmm. a little aileron to correct for it. And then you push the power back up and you assess the situation and see, you, you, and click the automation off. So if, if the automation is working against you, mm -hmm. just click it off, click hand it fly. Off. Hand fly yeah. until you, you can get the airplane in a, in a, a better state get it flying in the direction that you want to. And then you assess the situation and say, okay, well, what, what led to this? What, what can we do to, to fix it? Oh, so you'd uh, stabilize it and yeah, then sta stabilize regroup. it and then you can get the automation back on. Yeah. I, th this to me, this, we, we do this exact thing in the sim every single quarter. Yeah. Every single quarter. And it's just, it, and even if you don't know it's coming, it's like you mm -hmm. feel something a little bit off and you're like, what was that? Let me look, let me identify. Oh, here it is. One of the throttles came like that to me, I, I'm not trying to judge the pilots, but to me, it just seems like their reaction time was, we, we call it, they were way behind the airplane. They were hanging on way behind the airplane. Now, if you had an engine like that, that's not producing as much thrust, would you just shut it off? If it turns out that there are checklists that we run that, mm -hmm. that'll lead us to that. Like if you push the throttle up and it's not binding, meaning it has free motion mm -hmm. and the engine instruments spool up as normal, then no, there's no reason to shut down the engine. Okay. It probably was an issue with the auto throttle system. Yeah. And for us, oh, we so have, just turn it off. Yeah. I, I don't know how many systems the 737 has, but in the DC 10, we have two auto throttle systems. So mm -hmm. if one isn't working, we, we click them off and we just turn the other one on and then yeah. it, it should work. And if not, we can fly without auto throttles. You just manually set the, the power. Not, not a big deal at all. Yeah. No, this is great. So this could be the whole episode, Doug, because um, for those of you that are listening, Doug and him, I have these conversations. On, I have a lot of questions for him as a pilot, and it's so intriguing just knowing what you do in the cockpit for these situations. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the next one that we're going to move on to is from the South China Morning Post. And the title is Cathay Pacific to Axe Host of Long Haul Flights in Response to Quarantine Plan for Flight Crews. New government rules say that pilots and cabin crew who have stayed outside China must be put in a hotel for 14 days on return. Cathay has warned that this will severely impact the ability to survive the pandemic. It's already losing $1 billion. That's $1 billion US dollars a month. And this new uh, restriction will add up to $50 million a month to that total. Some of the service cuts include Vancouver, San Francisco, Seoul, Kuala Lumpur, and all Australian cities except for Sydney. The airline wouldn't be able to operate the routes with its current staffing levels if this really is the case. So that's why they're having to, to make these cuts. Drew, they can't catch I, a break. You're shaking your head. No, they can't. No. So the economy is against them, their own government's against them. It's mm -hmm. like there's no help at all. No, no, and, there, there isn't. Yeah, and reading in, into this, Doug, so this is a horrible situation for the crews. So the crews have to work three week, weeks straight. So they'll mm -hmm. fly in and out of Hong Kong, stay at a hotel. So for those three weeks, they don't see their families because mm -hmm. they're basically quarantined. Yeah. Then they come back, they're done with their assignment, and then they have to quarantine another 14 days before they see their family. Yeah. That's ridiculous. What are your thoughts? I mean, there's got to be a way, a better way. There, there's got to be. And without getting too political, it, just going back to everything that happened in Hong Kong over the last year, year and a half with the protests and, and the pro-China, anti-China movement and, and all that. To me, I'm just wondering if this is mainland China flexing their muscle against right. Hong Kong. Cathay Pacific is not one of these state-owned airlines like China Eastern, China Southern, Air China. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I'm just wondering if this is like a territorial thing, a, a turf, a turf thing. Uh, again, yeah. I'm not trying uh, to get political, no, but I, I'm looking at this saying, uh, why are some of the other airlines not subject to to these same rules? Why right. is Air China able to keep operating? Why is yeah. China Southern, etc.? I don't. Have you been to Hong Kong? I have. Have you been to Beijing? I haven't. Okay. So the difference. <laughs> The difference between Beijing and Hong Kong is like night and day. Hong mm -hmm. Kong is, you know how it is. It's, it's vibrant. It's, it's, it's vibrant. It's energetic. Yeah. People are making a lot of money. It's successful. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a jealousy thing between mainland and Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. But if if China was smart, they would let Hong Kong be as it is. Well, it was supposed to so... be. It was supposed to be because they said it was going to be one China, two systems. Mm -hmm. and when they took Hong Kong back from the UK in what, 97, 98, yeah. whatever it was. And right. then slowly it's starting to it's get reassimilated back into mainland China. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of Hong Kong citizens are moving to Canada and the UK because they don't know what's going to happen with freedoms and liberties. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel I feel bad for Cathay Pacific. That's a great airline. I've flown them a number of times. Yeah. They and just um, they I want to in the future. <laughs> yeah. They can't, can't, can't catch a break right now, unfortunately. All right. Back in the U.S., Reuters is reporting that the U.S. House panels to vote on a 57 billion dollar boost for transportation so this comes as part of a new 1.89 trillion dollar covid19 relief plan this includes 14 billion dollars to the airlines 8 billion dollars to airports and concessions airline aid will keep employees on the job through the end of september so this is all great as long as it doesn't come with a testing requirement yeah, yeah. I, I so we're we're recording on Friday, and um, we don't have any information from this yet. But I know that President Biden was meeting with the airline executives today on a, a remote call, talking about that testing requirement. So we'll we'll have to see what comes with that. We've talked about this a long time. The the aid extension and whether it's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing. It's a great thing for the employees. I'm I'm all for it. But at the same time, we haven't recovered to the point where we thought that we would. Now with the vaccine coming out, and I know that every single time aid is talked about, you and I both say, well, this is the time that that we're going to recover. This is the time. Mm -hmm. I, I, hate, I, I really do feel like this could be that time that by the end of September, the traffic levels could be a lot higher and these employees are actually needed. And it's, mm -hmm. it's keeping them on, on the books, keeping them going. We, we know that Delta is bringing people back, mm -hmm. back on, on flight like flight status. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So there are those, those green shoots. I, I hate to use a, um, a cliche, but there are those green shoots out there that are pointing toward the fact that there is at least a, a small recovery that's, that's in the works right now. And I think some airlines are still offering like separation packages if they're still, if they still have too many employees, I think we're going to reach an equilibrium soon with um, the demand. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is necessary. You know, if it helps some people that haven't found another job, you have that bridge. Mm -hmm. That'll be good because, you know, I, I always think it's better to give someone a job over a welfare check. And if the government can give the airline something to keep them employed versus, you know, giving them food stamps. That's, that's what we want, at least until the recovery. All right, now, well, did we, did we want to talk about this COVID domestic COVID-19 testing? We, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. And then there's nothing new other than their, the exacts are meeting with Biden. Yeah. I think what I'm thinking about when I was look, researching for this, the stories that I was seeing was that, um, well, as we speak, the airline executives are at the white house, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. 
So one of the things that uh, Ed Bastian and Gary Kelly, uh, Ed Bastian's Delta, Gary Kelly's Southwest, they are pleading with the government to not go the path of domestic COVID-19 testing. Well, late breaking news. This was posted 15 minutes ago, thanks to my producer sitting behind (laughs) me. Um, My my dad just handed a a USA Today story up to me. It's titled, Airlines Push White House Not to Require COVID Testing for U.S. Flights. Leaders of several major U.S. airlines met on Friday with White House officials to press their case against requiring testing. person familiar with the discussion said that the Biden administration is not currently planning to impose requirements that passengers on domestic flights pass. Oh, that is. No, thank you to your producer, Dale, because I was reading that story. So that's an update in the last few minutes. That is great. So just one point before we move on. Yeah. The job of the federal government is to regulate interstate commerce. Mm Mm-hmm. And you cannot have interstate commerce moving freely if you have this, these obstructions to it. Mm-hmm. So if you're just going to do this to the airlines and you're not going to do it to trains and buses, ships, and buses. Yep. So you're going to grind interstate commerce as far as aviation to a halt if you do this. So I'm glad that they came out and said, no, we're not going to do it. All right. Well, we've covered all of the negative news stories. We've got a couple really interesting and fun and actually good news stories to talk about. So this one was from CNBC. The title is United Airlines orders electric vertical aircraft invests in urban air mobility startup. This company is called Archer. I knew nothing about them. I I don't know if you, yeah. So Archer is developing an electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, which are also known as eVTOL. If certified by the FAA, it could begin deliveries as early as 2024. It's a piloted aircraft that can carry as many as four passengers, can travel up to 60 miles at speeds that can reach 150 miles an hour. And th- this is this caught everyone by surprise, I feel like. United placed a $1 billion order to purchase 200 eVTOL aircraft. And they have an option for $500 million to get 100 more. And this is what Scott Kirby, the CEO, said. By working with Archer, United is showing the aviation industry that now is the time to embrace cleaner, more efficient modes of transportation. Drew, my first thought was, what is United going to use these for? Like, what what, what are they going to use them for? 60 miles. It's only four, it's only four passengers. Only four passengers. What I read was... This is going to cut carbon emissions by over 50% going from mm-hmm. Hollywood to LAX, going from somewhere on Long Island to JFK. But only for four people. Only for four people. I don't, this is not going to be for the masses. This is not yeah. going to be for you and me flying an economy from LA to Denver. This is going to be for the Hollywood execs not having to sit on the 405, mm-hmm. not having to take a helicopter which is less efficient to, to get to the airport. This is for right. some of the high spending, high yielding. We, we've talked about how United has had this big premium push lately. They're trying to get back into JFK, more premium yep. seats in the cabin. This to me is a big shot in the arm for business travel, right? This is United saying in a couple of years, there's going to be this high yielding demand for a product like this. It's basically a glorified limousine service mm-hmm. to the airport. Yeah. But Doug, I'm, I'm looking at this. If, if this works, I could see them expand this to regional. So you're in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. That is what, a three hour drive from San Francisco? Two and a half, two, two and a half, just depending on traffic. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see something like this that maybe carries 15 people from downtown Sacramento to SFO yeah. or from Monterey. Or and then they don't have to run a CRJ from SFO up to Sacramento a couple times a yeah. day. 
Yeah. And it, you don't need a long range. It's, electric planes are not going to have a long range, even though we want that to be the future. Right now, mm-hmm. that technology is not going to, an electric exist. plane is not going to take you to Singapore. No. <laughs> no. But it may, it could possibly take you from Sacramento to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is really exciting. And, you know, one other point on this until corporations start taking on this green energy model and saying that they can actually make profit using it. Green energy is never going to kick in. I mean, you can subsidize all you want, but until corporate corporate America adopts it. Yeah. General Motors two weeks ago announced that in 2035, all of their cars, vans, and SUVs will be electric. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Yep. So we're talking about 20, I think United said 2050. United's mm-hmm. going to be zero neutral. neutral. Yeah. Yeah. So General Motors 2035. So I don't know if they're just throwing that out there, but I don't know. I mean, maybe they're saying that you, this ha- can you be have possible. to set a target that I, I don't think they are just th- throwing it out there. Like you have to set a target. Maybe they won't make it, but if they just mm-hmm. say in the future, we will be, and then you don't have that goal that you're working toward. And so by yeah. saying 2035, that's actually setting a time frame. And it's like, right. Hey guys, we're 14 years away right now. How do we get there in the next 14 years? And so it, yeah. it actually gets the, the the people who are smarter than us behind the scenes trying to figure this out. And, and how out. do we get there? Yeah. And I have not seen it. But when I was reading this report, they said the GM, their new logo, the M on the GM looks like a plug, apparently. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I, I haven't said, seen yeah. One of the reasons, I mean, these, this, these are CNBC types just speculating. Yeah. But they're saying GM is trying to look like a Tesla. They're trying mm-hmm. to look like a forward looking so that the investors, you know, looking long term, they're mm-hmm. going to invest in GM, seeing as seeing GM as a cutting edge company mm-hmm. instead of a legacy company. So that's good. Next story. Well, this is good, too. All right. So Bloomberg, their article is Singapore Air expands Boeing 777X order in boost to Jumbo's Air. Singapore Airlines is swapping 14787-10s for 11 777-9Xs. This brings Singapore's total order for the 777-9 to 31. The move defers aircraft deliveries for Singapore, which will delay $3 billion in capital spending. And the first orders by any airline, these are the first orders by any airline for the 777X since before the pandemic. What are they thinking, Doug? They're thinking they're trying to save money. It's it's easy to say this is a big win for the 777X. It, it is. In, in a way, it definitely is. But this is just Singapore saying, how can we not spend money right now while people are not flying our airline? We've talked about Singapore. They're just like Cathay Pacific where they don't have a domestic route network like in the US to fall back on. And Singapore mm-hmm. is, is really struggling financially. Yeah. So if they can reduce their capital outlays, which is what they're doing here by deferring these orders, then they don't have to spend that $3 billion now that they don't have to spend. In a way, COVID, we've been talking about that COVID might kill the 777X. Then mm-hmm. this could be COVID <laughs> saving the 777X. Well, right? I, I really think Boeing may have come and said, hey, we need orders for the 777X. Mm-hmm. You can delay your order for the 787-10 because you don't need it right now. But mm-hmm. can you convert them to the 9? Because we need, because that that is a, that's a big win for Boeing. And yeah. other airlines are watching this and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, we got to be competitive with Singapore. We need some Dash 9s. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be yeah. what Boeing is thinking. Are you worried about the 787 because they lost 14 orders? Oh, no. Uh, I'm not worried about it because um, just from what I see at work. So yeah. I'll be at work. My airline is flying 787s across the board. Mm-hmm. And then I look across the taxiway, Air India, Egypt Air, Etihad. Ethiopian, right? Some, 
Ethiopian. Yeah. ANA. Um, ANA. Yeah. I said Air India. Yeah. There's probably a few that are missing, but there's seven eight sevens left and right. Yeah, exactly. It's very successful. I, I don't think it's a it's it's a big deal for the seven eight seven, honestly. Maybe the dash ten. Like I, I don't know. Uh, you know, the, we've talked about how the dash ten is kind of underperforming. Not necessarily yeah. from a performance standpoint, but there just haven't been as many orders for the for the dash ten. But that's because the the dash nine is just such that that sweet spot of an airplane yeah. from a range, from a capacity, from a chasm, which is cost per available sea mile standpoint. It's it's just right. such a great such a great airplane. Yeah, the dash ten is replacing the triple seven two hundreds that used to do the trunk hub to hub routes mm-hmm. in the U.S. to uh, Europe, yeah. Western Europe, and then uh, Singapore's using it a lot. On the big region, well, they were the, the, the regional, the big the regional, regional routes. Routes. Yeah, like in intra Southeast Asia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, good news for the triple seven X, and it's getting some life in it finally. All right, we've been teasing this segment for a few weeks now. It's time to let Doug geek out on airline financial metrics. <laughs> I, I can't even say that with a straight face, <laughs> but I'm glad you get excited about it. <laughs> it's my fa- it's my favorite time of the quarter, <laughs> earnings season. <laughs> yeah. So. You guys don't tune out. We're going to make this fun. <laughs> All right. But for the sake of losing 99% of our listeners and hours of droning, Doug has agreed to pick out his four biggest storylines that we can focus on. All right. You have the floor, my friend. <laughs> yeah, are you all right? Do you, do you, no, no, I'm okay. <laughs> you need some water. No, a, I, uh, uh, uh. no, Doug put together this script for me and it's like, it's exactly what I would say. So, all right. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know you well. I, I just didn't think that you would struggle through it so much. <laughs> so much. Yeah. But be, before we begin, we do have to issue a disclaimer. Drew works for one of these major U.S. carriers that we're going to talk about. And while I don't yet fly for one, I do have a favorite to fly as a passenger. We also have listeners that have favorites. A lot of the airlines that we're going to talk about, they're the listener favorites. This discussion is meant to be completely objective. We're not picking on any one airline because we like one more than another, because we work for it, et cetera. Everything that we're about to talk about is just based on data. It's based on financial and operational facts. There is no emotion in any of this discussion. And as I've said before, normally the financials are analyzed by comparing the same period a year earlier. We all know how bad 2020 was compared to 2019. So we're not going to do that. The most prudent way to actually compare the data right now is to look at Q4 against Q3 and Q4 against Q2, because that'll actually show us the trends of where the industry is going. We could sit here Mm -hmm. we could say how big of a bloodbath 2020 was compared to 2019. Right. That's not, we we knew it. We, We knew it. That's not going to actually show us what the quarter did. And, and the direction that that we're heading. It's a new normal. It, it, exactly, exactly. And and I, I, I understand we're probably going to get some feedback. You can't necessarily compare Q2 to Q4 in a normal year because Q2 is the big summer travel season. Q4 yeah. is kind of a, a down a downtime. True. That is true from like an available seat mile standpoint, revenue seat mile. But from a cost standpoint, you can. You can compare. So are you saying Q3 and Q4 historically are um, similar in terms of Q2, Q2 and Q3 are the top two quarters. And okay. then Q1 Summer. and Q4 are, are a little bit lower. Even though okay. Thanksgiving and Christmas, the Christmas travel season fall in Q4, it yeah. still is generally much smaller, much worse from a, an operational and financial standpoint than Q2 and Q3. Because Q2 and Q3, kids are out of school, people are going to see grandparents, they're going to Disney World, all all of this summer travel. 
So that's why airlines make a lot of money in the summer pre-COVID and then not as much in the winter. But from a yeah. from a cost standpoint, and even in COVID, like looking at the numbers, there were more people who traveled in Q4 than Q2. Mm. So this the two, 2020 right. was not a normal year uh, yeah. from that from that standpoint. Here are Doug's four biggest takeaways. Airlines are still bleeding, but it has the bleeding has slowed considerably. Number one, average daily cash burn was 16 million in Q3. That's down to 13 million in Q4. The largest U.S. carriers lost a combined $12 billion in Q3, improved to a $7 billion loss in Q4. Average chasm, which is cost per available seat mile, was 18.6 cents in the third quarter, 15.6 cents in the fourth quarter, compared to 12 cents in fiscal year, the whole year, 2019. Now, the last one, total industry revenue increased by $3 billion from the third quarter to the fourth quarter. As you see, we're still not out of the woods yet. Airlines lost $7 billion, but that was a $5 billion improvement over Q3. Chasm, that that is huge. So Chasm, as Drew said, is the cost per available seat mile. In layman's terms, that's what it costs an airline to fly one seat, one mile. Historically, and the reason I put the 2019 in there, historically, it's right around 12 cents. So you can see it went from 18.6 in Q3 to 15.6 in Q4. That's a big decrease in the chasm. So that means that mm -hmm. airlines are actually getting their costs in order closer to the historical mm -hmm. chasm average. So even yeah. though they're losing money, even though their revenues are lower, they've been, they have been able to, to find ways to cut costs. Mm -hmm. Even carriers like United, Delta, American, who are these big legacy network, very expensive carriers, they have been able to cut their costs down closer to what the low cost carriers historically have. Yeah. Through attrition, through early retirements, through early fleet retirements, lots of lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. And then the revenues increased by $3 billion from Q3 to Q4, which yeah. doesn't usually happen. Usually going from Q3 to Q4, because you go from that peak summer travel in, in July and August you mm -hmm. like the October and November doldrums, even though you, you have the, the holidays in there. So the fact that the revenue increased, that's a good sign. Again, yeah. it, the airlines are still bleeding. They're, they're still not out of the woods, but they've, well, they've, they've turned the ship around and they're heading in the positive direction. Well, now. yeah, I, I think we, you know, you know, referring to our last segment, we did have an upset recovery. Mm -hmm. Right. So yep. we're in exactly. recovery mode now. Mm -hmm. And most of the majors will tell you, or they did tell us, if they can get below $20 million loss a day, then they can sustain themselves through 2021. Mm -hmm. It's not sustainable forever. Yeah. But um, now we're in cruise and hopefully we'll begin gaining some altitude mm -hmm. as the months go on. Yeah. That great analogy. Really good analogy. Now let's talk about American Airlines. American has both a cost problem and a revenue problem. American has higher costs and lower relative revenue than its network peers. Fourth quarter Chasm X. What's Chasm X, Doug? Chasm X is excluding fuel and special okay. items. So basically certain airlines pay more or less for fuel if they're hedging. And so if you remove the fuel costs, that is a way that you can basically directly compare one airline's costs to another. Got it. Okay. All right, so fourth quarter Chasm X was 8% higher than United and 40% higher than Delta. Americans' fourth quarter revenue was 18% higher than United while flying 25% more revenue passenger miles and a 1.5% higher revenue than Delta while flying 40% more revenue passenger miles. So flying more people but getting less dollars from it. 
Yeah, quite quite a few more. And then lastly, uh, Americans' annual yield, a proxy for airfare, was 1% lower than United and 11% lower than Delta. I, I've been writing about this on, on my website for a while, that American, like I said, has a cost and a revenue problem. American was the largest airline in, in the U.S., and I'm assuming the world. I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen the world data yet. In 2020, they actually overtook Delta for revenue. Delta had been the largest in 2019. But Americans' revenue, as I put here, was not that much higher than Delta and United, and they mm-hmm. flew substantially more revenue passenger miles. So they, they flew more miles last year than and in the fourth quarter than both Delta and United. So Doug, we're not, we're saying that probably we're saying that that probably wasn't the best decision to put mm-hmm. more seats in the market because yeah. remember we were shocked when Americans said that they were going to be at 75% in Dallas or some crazy. I mean, this was months and months ago, Mm -hmm. but then we were thinking, okay, maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe you open it up and then people flock to American because they know, but it's not turning out that way. No, it's not. It's not. And, and we talked about, or you mentioned the yields there. So the yield is basically a proxy for, for airfare. It's the, the sense that an airline makes per mile essentially Mm -hmm. is, is the definition of yield just in, in very layman's terms. And United's yield was 1% higher than Americans. Delta's was mm-hmm. 11% higher than Americans. So even though American was flying more, they mm-hmm. just were not getting the revenue in, in the way that United and, and Delta were for their flights. Yeah. I will say one thing for America, not from a corporate executive perspective, but from an employee perspective, this is allowing them to keep more people on the job. It is. They, mm-hmm. they had to lay off a lot of people, but can you imagine... If they reduced to what the demand was, that would have been yeah. thousands. No, that, that's a great point because American did have more furloughs than any other airline. Yeah. All right, Doug, let's talk about Southwest now. Southwest looks like they're heading in the wrong direction. While other airlines improved quarter to quarter in 2020, Southwest got worse in several key metrics. Chasm increased from quarter two to quarter four, actually had a higher chasm in quarter four than Delta. Their operating margin was worse than quarter two, arguably the worst quarter ever for the industry. Net loss was approximately the same as quarter four as it was in quarter two, nearly a $1 billion loss. What do you think is going on at Southwest? I'm not sure. I, I really don't. And and they're trying the same thing as American. They're trying all these new flights where they're they're trying some of these le- leisure destinations that they had never tried before, some, some more point to point, trying to go to Florida, Palm Springs, lots of different places. But uh, what, what, really, what really stood out to me, Drew, was the fact that Delta's chasm was lower than Southwest. Everyone knows or mm-hmm. thinks of Southwest and they call them a low cost carrier. They're not, they, they were a low they cost have carrier. High, high wages. They were yeah. a low cost carrier back in the nineties. They are no longer yeah. a low cost carrier. They're, they're a network peer to Delta American United. The only yeah. difference is they are not a full service airline, meaning they don't have lounges. They don't have business class, but they are definitely the same structure of a business now as mm-hmm. what we formally know as the the legacy network carriers yeah they, they're now, not a low cost carrier they're not even a low fare carrier many no, times, they're not many times a ticket on southwest is just it's as much more. or more expensive as one on delta united american any right. of those airlines now here's another airline employee perspective <laughs> yeah no that, this trying. is good no so, that, that, this is really good they really haven't laid off a lot of people. Now they sent out notices. How mm-hmm. many they're going to lay off? Lay off? We don't know, but it's not huge, right? It's historical for them to even be laying off people. Southwest, Doug, they use their own employees wherever they fly on the ramp, mm-hmm. 
you know, that costs more money because a Southwest baggage handler makes a decent living. Other airlines, even majors, they're subcontracting companies to run their ramp, as an example, to run their catering. Here's another thing. So Southwest is, they're flying these routes. Every single route is flown by actual Southwest Airlines, Mm -hmm. Delta, American United. They're using regionals, which Mm -hmm. with a much lower pay scale and much lower cost. Yeah. So that I mean that kind of explains why Southwest. Do you want to know what? Do you, do you want to know why I think that Southwest is heading in the wrong direction? Yeah, because they can, because they came into this crisis with just as good or almost as good of a balance sheet as Delta. Southwest and Delta were basically the the two strongest airlines financially coming into this crisis. Yeah, and just like Delta, they can make these decisions, whereas an airline like American can't. Because mm. they they have the liquidity, they have the ability to be able to do this. On the backside of COVID, when Southwest is able to say to to employees or prospective employees, look at look at how our employees fared compared to some of the other airlines like right. American. Yep, they they can yeah. they can weather that storm. Mm-hmm. Just like Delta had a record breaking net loss in the second quarter that no airline in the U.S. has ever had. The, right. They they took those write offs. They said we're going to retire all these airline or airplane types. We're going to take mm-hmm. the write off now. Right. We're going to continue blocking middle seats because we feel like it's it's the right move in the long term, and we can we can survive with a lower load factor. We can survive with all all these different things against them. That's mm-hmm. why I think Southwest isn't terribly worried about it because yeah. when when they recover, they can say, look at this. We we pushed through. We purposely made these decisions to lose a little bit more money to keep our people on property. That said, yeah. though, we did talk a couple weeks ago about how Southwest is is requesting more longer term leave for a lot of their employees coming up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good way to do it because it's voluntary and mm-hmm. there's going to be hundreds, if not, you know, maybe a thousand employees that might want that extra time off. So yeah. it's a win win. Mm-hmm. Now, as we speak now, you're, you know, normally... <laughs> You know, a sign that this is not gloom and doom for Southwest is as we speak, they're negotiating with Boeing and Airbus to buy like 100 new planes. I saw that 150. Yeah. What are the odds they're going to go with Airbus? It's going to be the A220. I would not be, I don't, I I would not be surprised at all. You think they're going to get the A220? I would not be surprised at all if they end up. All right. So, all right, listeners, this is to be continued because (laughs) I totally disagree with you. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it next week. All right, last one. Let's let's get to Delta now. After two historically bad quarters in quarter two and Q3, Delta rebounded in a big way. All right, second highest net income per ASM available seat miles, second only to Spirit. They have the lowest cost to revenue ratio. They have the highest available cash reserves in months of survivability. And that uh, right now is 46 months at a current cash burn. They have the best operating margin. All this despite blocking middle seats and having the second lowest load factor behind only Hawaiian. It's pretty good. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means their fares, they're they're able to maintain a fair premium. If, yep. And and Delta right. has always been able to do this to, to get that. They call it the revenue premium. Yeah. After, as I said, after two awful quarters, and we, we talked about Delta in, in the past six months, how Q2 and Q3 were historically bad. They, I, I, they finally have rounded the corner. And I think that they are a model for other airlines now to look at and say, we are not that far behind, right? The the Uniteds, the Alaskas, the JetBlues, they can look at what Delta has done and they can say, we'll be there in a quarter or two if, if we just keep going in, in this in the same direction. 
yeah. American, it might take a little bit more than than a quarter or two. It might be another year or so. But even even though I kind of ragged on American, they increased their available cash reserves, their their liquidity by like five or six months in mm. the fourth quarter. So they went from mm-hmm. 10 months of survivability to about 16 okay. in the fourth quarter. So even American, who is doing substantially worse than pretty much everyone else, they were able to get their cash burned down, increase their liquidity, and they actually have a longer survivability window now. Yeah, and um, Delta has just... Uh extended that uh, center seat being blocked through September 31st? Uh, I, I saw through April. I, I think they're going month by month. Okay. Through, so it was through the end of March. Now they're going through the end of April and they're saying it's going to be a month to month thing at this point. Okay. So as an airline employee, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From a non <laughs> That means yeah. if I'm standing by for a Delta flight, there could be like 60 seats open, but if they're all middle seats, not getting on. Yeah. But their, their load factor was in the forties. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so even even with the middle seat blocked, like there still were seats available on Delta. No, that's good, and I, I I'm sure that um the traveling public appreciates that that when you're on Delta, you have the middle seat open, unless you are on an A220 on the two seat side. Mm-hmm. What if you can you sit together? You you yeah you can, and they actually they are not blocking the two seat side anymore. Okay. So you you could sit next to a stranger, and they tell you yeah. that. So I was on a, uh, an ERJ-175 a couple weeks ago, and on one of the sides, you could sit next to a stranger. At mm-hmm. the gate, they said one of the sides, if you're on the A, B side, you could be seated next to someone who is not in your traveling party. If this makes you feel uncomfortable, come let us know. So they, they are giving that option at the at the gate. Yeah, And I'm getting, so that's Delta on United. I'm getting a text or a, a message when I booked the flight. Your flight seems to be kind of full mm-hmm. do you want to change for free yeah so that's, that, nice. that's good how, how was that that wasn't that wasn't too bad huh no that was okay we made it through it <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i'm serious that that's good information because everything that we talk about you guys this the way doug's presented it um the way we presented it hopefully puts it into uh, it puts it on paper so that you know we can see what's the direction the industry is going and it's good mm-hmm. news all right drew Fun sandwich time. You ready? Let, let's yes. let's do this. So you brought up a really good point when you mentioned to me in a text this week how it's amazing that a sandwich on a plate makes the flight. So let's dive into this a little bit further. We posted a poll. Before we get to that, I, I want to ask you a question. I know you're you're a non-rev. <laughs> you don't always necessarily have a choice of where you go. If you were a revenue passenger or even a non-rev, have you have you done it this way? Where mm-hmm. you look at you look at it as an itinerary. So maybe yep. you say you're going from DC to Chicago, right? So if you fly DC to Chicago, you may not get a meal on that plane because it's too short. Yeah. Would you ever consider going DC, Houston, Chicago, uh-huh. just because you could get a meal on the plane? <laughs> no. 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 I mean, I, I would consider it if if I didn't have to be there right away. And but yeah. it wouldn't just be for the food, it would be for more airplanes. More airplanes. I mean, the food would be a bonus too. Yeah. But if I'm going to Chicago for work, no. Just get there. You would though. I would. And and it's it's funny. Like airplane airplane food is it's meh, but like you said, it's because you're eating it on an airplane, you're like, ooh, that this is actually kind of kind of good, kind of cool. Yeah. No, come on. I mean Midwest has been gone. Midwest Airlines has been gone for how long? And we're still talking about their fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, I was I was on a flight from Denver to Milwaukee. I was asleep and the smell of the cookie in the cabin on Midwest mm-hmm. woke me up like that's yeah. that's just that that's how it was. And it was like, oh, 
it's cookie time because that's what Midwest was known for. Well, I'm telling you, and I'm going to go back to my flight from San Francisco to Denver when they brought out that hot, melty. (laughs) It was it was a mozzarella, basil, sun-dried tomato on a focaccia roll. And it was that sounds that sounds I, I would eat that at a restaurant here. Yeah. That sounds really <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, and just, just, you know, just the sight of a flight attendant coming down with like, um, you know, something to take people's food orders. I'm like, wow. I mean, I'm going to Denver. I mean, this is not even going to like Hong Kong or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. It was so what, and I, I can't, I, I can't believe only Av geeks would care about that. I'm sure, especially our business travelers who are very mm-hmm. astute. I think they appreciate those touches. We we thought a little bit more about food, so we put out a poll for our, our listeners. So Drew, what what do we what do we ask, and what were the results? <laughs> did we come up with this right after the Denver flight? And I told we you about did. the sandwich. Yeah, you told me about the sandwich, <laughs> and and I was like, hey, I've got yeah. to for a poll. Let's let's do this. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when you texted me. I was actually just got off my flight, and I was you were texting me, and I was walking to the lounge, and like, D- I got a, I got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we come up with our material. All right. So here's a question that we asked our listeners. What complimentary food item would excite you enough to fly a particular airline if they started offering it? This question assumes prices on competitors are equal and you actually like plain food. Not meant to be a pun. All right. So these are the choices. You know, now when I think back, I wish we would have had chocolate chip cookie. I don't know why we didn't think that. We, that. that was that was one of them, but mm. we couldn't do five. Okay. <laughs> and to me, that wasn't, that wasn't quite a, a meal per se, if you will. Yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah, you're right. All right. So the ones we chose, we just chose our favorites. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we had blueberry muffin. Uh, we had cinnamon roll. We had a sandwich, you know, similar to what I had a little, you know, turkey or cheese sandwich. Um, and then the fourth one was grilled chicken salad. Do we want to talk about what we want or do we want to talk about the poll first? Let's do the poll and then we can talk about what we want. All right. So you, our listeners, uh, by far, well, not by far, but um, the clear winner was the cinnamon roll at 37.2%. And behind that was a sandwich at 30.2%. Some of you are uh, health conscious, which is nice. And so 25.6% of you chose the grilled chicken salad and uh, only 7% the, the blueberry muffin. I was surprised by that. Well, I'm biased. And let me just tell you my blueberry muffin story. Yeah. <laughs> so picture yourself. It's like 1992. You're going from New York to Frankfurt on a Continental 747-200. You're like 21 years old, which I was, and didn't, didn't have a lot of experience with business class, but they, you get a seat and you get an upper deck seat on a 747 <laughs> in business class. And then you're arriving in Frankfurt and the flight attendant asks you, hey, would, what would you like for breakfast? It was some kind of egg. And then they come through with this hot basket of hot blueberry muffins. Mm. So I always remember that. That's why one of the choices I wanted was blueberry muffin. Could you smell it like in the cabin? Oh, yeah. You could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine. And I I even remember the flight. Imagine being in economy when they heat up the blueberry muffins for the business class. (laughs) 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 Yes, because you were in economy that one time, right? When you were seven. No, I. Oh, come on now. No, I've I've been in economy all like more often than not <laughs> like on, three. No, on, on long haul on long haul okay more, more often than not yeah come all on right. come on all right so that's what the listeners chose what would doug what would your choice be cinnamon roll hands down i love cinnamon rolls and mm-hmm. just thinking about the smell of that on the airplane and just the stickiness and, and everything mm-hmm. cinnamon <laughs> roll absolutely yeah 
Yeah, I, I mean, I talked about the, about the blueberry muffin, but my choice would also be cinnamon roll. But that raises issues. What if you have gluten-free, you have vegan, you have all these needs, so there would have to be something else. Uh, yeah, another option. Yeah. I, I, I know a lot of the listeners who commented on it said the same thing that we did about the smell of the cinnamon roll, that that would just yeah. wafting through the cabin, that, that would make or break it. Yeah. Well, just like when you walk through the mall, uh, yeah, the, the Cinnabon the, store the, is just Cinnabon. Like, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com. Let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. Yeah, well, I'm no, lactose. I would, I'm lactose intolerant. And I would still eat the cinnamon roll. You just roll the dice. I would just. I. I would know what the impact would be, and I would say, <laughs> I'm on an airplane. I'm eating a cinnamon roll. Yeah. So you know, maybe they could be like, all right, you could have the cinnamon roll, or you could have this composite mixture of sawdust, barley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>